How I Murdered Myself and Found My Calling A short story by Rohit Kailot Read by Aviral Mohan I looked at my reflection in the mirror. I was going to die. I still couldn't believe it. I looked at my palms. My lifeline was still long and thick and ran across the middle of my hand without any cuts or breaks, which meant that I was going to have a long and healthy life. They were all wrong, those pundits, astrologers and palmists. They had indicated trouble, but they were unanimous that I would live through it all to a ripe old age. Silly liars, each one of them. I saw that I was still good looking. I had thick black hair, not a strand of white. My skin wasn't all that bad too. And no paunch. I was lean and sinewy, not big and muscular. Not like what's in today. Take protein supplements, hit the gym, do weights and have big muscular arms over thin spindly legs. I was in my prime. Bet I could jog a few miles without breaking into a sweat. And now it was all going to add to a knot. What a colossal waste. All that exercise, all that dieting and caring for my body, my skin, my hair, my abs, and not touching alcohol or drugs, and not eating junk food and not smoking. Getting six pack of abs instead of six pack of beer. What a waste. Living a healthy routine all my life so that I look good, remain disease and illness free and lived long. Not that it hadn't worked. In fact, it had worked superbly. Look at me. I was slim and muscular and in the best of health. I looked real good and I was young too. I was just 34. Today's 30s was last millennium 20s. What a waste of all that time and effort in the gym. Only pain, no gain. Somebody said, people who exercise just die healthier. It was true in my case. I was fitter and stronger than the average male. And yet, I was going to die. Was this a serial and lethal case of midlife crisis? Is this the famed midlife crisis they talked about? Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. I really didn't care. And that was the biggest problem. I just didn't care about anything at all. Nothing excited me anymore. There was a time just a few years ago when I was excited to be alive. Every day was new and unknown, unfamiliar, untried and novel. There was so much to live for. I was normal and I was happy. I could think about the future and look forward to things, to landmarks in life, to get education I wanted, to get the best job I could get, to get the best girl I could have, to get married, buy a beautiful home, have kids, raise a family, have a great job, go on fabulous exotic vacations. And then what? Then start living for your kids? You have done whatever you needed to do. You are a man, a grown-up, an adult, a husband, a father, a worker, a citizen, a provider, a tax giver, a consumer, a voter, a patient, an employee, a drone, a robot, like millions of others. Conventional, normal, 
average, boring routine, all good and respectable but pretty dull and conveyor belt like monotonic. Day after day after day after day, all the same, living, breathing, existing, growing and then what? What is there to achieve after that? More money, bigger house, divorce, better wife, more children, bigger car, travel, get richer, fatter, more exotic vacations, get newer electronic equipment, bigger TV, bigger phone, bigger plasma, LED, LCD, iPhone 12, Android, ice cream burger, lollipop. There was certainly not going to be anything of note happening in the next 40-50 years. Hollywood had mostly covered all the scenarios. They were all fiction. I was sure no aliens were landing on Earth. No ghosts or armies of undead were going to be attacking the living. No monsters coming out of the oceans and attacking the mammoth cities, like in Japanese and Hollywood movies. No end of the world, cataclysmic, apocalyptic events. If something like that was going to happen, then I would gladly live for years, just to witness that doomsday event. As that would be exciting to die like that, in the land of aliens, or ghosts, or zombies, or monsters, maybe drowned in a tsunami, or burnt by the lava of a volcano, or buried in an earthquake. Now, that would be a way to go, and I could wait years to be a part of such an instantaneous mass-killing event. It would be exciting to die in a calamity where thousands would die with me. It would even be fun seeing others being killed with me. One last hooray before we all kick the bucket. It would be one fabulous adventure. But that was all fiction. That wasn't happening. What was going to happen instead was war, famine, illnesses, rioting and slow painful deaths. Earth was overpopulated and overpolluted. Earth was dying. Fresh air and fresh water were rare. Food was rare. People in China were eating insects and creepy crawlies because grains and meat weren't affordable any longer. There was hardly any arable land left. Mountains and trees were being cut down. A UN official had suggested all humans should eat insects too and that would go a long way in ending global hunger. But it wasn't global hunger that needed to end. What needed to end was more than half of the world's population. What was needed was a mass culling. Kill off half so the other half could live or everyone was going to die together. Hunger, thirst, illnesses, riots, fights, wars. Imagine if you had all the money in the world but there was nothing to eat. Your family was hungry. Would you raid your friends, neighbors and kill them so that you could get their food? Of course you would. And that was going to happen. Because instead of saving people, people had to be killed so that some others could live. And such dismal future was just a few decades away. It was coming. And that was not what I wanted to see. So then, what else I was going to do? If I continued to live till dark period dawned upon us, watch the latest movies, the prequel, sequel of Star Wars after another 10 years, and another remake of Godzilla, 
Another version showing how Peter Parker became Spider-Man this time in 5D. Another lame big budget superhero movie that had all the thrills but very little story to speak of. More news of scams and riots and terrorist attacks and epidemics and accidents and pedophiles and rapes and elections and brutal accidents and population explosions and beheadings. More struggle every day in the dumb job that I was doing. More suffering of fools who surrounded me. Fools who lived like in the belief that they were doing something really vital and the world would cease to exist if they stopped for a moment or two and took a break. Fools who thought they were the center of the universe and the world existing just to serve them. Fools who studied hard, worked hard, struggled hard and get ulcers and high blood pressures and cholesterol. Who played corporate politics and backstabbed their well-wishers to rise up the corporate ladder and then realized they were moving so fast that they didn't even enjoy the journey. The journey is the destination. From the time you are born, it is the journey towards the grave. From the womb to the grave, that is the journey. Fools. Each one of them. And I was a fool too. I had tried to enjoy the journey, but that too hadn't worked. It was futile. My journey now was through a barren landscape now. There was nothing near to see. Move along, folks. No, I was done. There is no objective in life, no target, nothing to look forward to, nothing to achieve. Whatever I wanted to do in my life, I had done. Nothing else remained. This was it. No bucket list. Adios, amigos. It wasn't that I was physically sick or anything. I was just mentally terminally ill. Like I had cancer of the soul and there was no chemotherapy for this kind of cancer. Nothing excited me enough to go on living even for one more day. I had lost my mojo. I had discovered whatever needed to be discovered. I was done. My friends were all married and met on weekends to abuse their bosses, bitch about their wives and gloat on their children. That was it for them. Office, home, wife, children. They weren't my friends anymore. They were Roberts. Just surviving, existing, only getting older instead of rusting. I didn't want to grow any longer. And maybe there was life after death and I could come back as a ghost and scare the living daylights out of people. Have a bit of fun, spreading terror, giving the bullies the evil ones or those in the power a taste of their own medicine. Terrorizing the terrorist. Now, that would be fun. Also maybe, there was a heaven and a hell. And I would know very soon. I was eager to find the answer to that one. I remembered the joke I'd heard just a few days back. A man dies and meets an angel. The angel asks, So how was heaven? So if this is heaven, give me hell any day. I looked around me. So how should I do it? I didn't want those who found my body to be disgusted and revolted and say, eh. And I didn't want to be cleaned up with a mop. I didn't like seeing my own blood. I knew others won't too. If only I could just vanish. My body, all gone. Poof into thin air 
No need for cremation or a burial. That would be nice. But that wasn't likely to happen. I was all flesh and raging. And I would rot after death, like all the others who die. From a living, breathing human being to a dead body, that gave anyone looking at me or other it nightmares. Even families and loved ones didn't want to touch a body. From me to it, that was the journey of life. But how should I do it? How should I kill myself? This had to be deliberated over. Hanging was a good clean way, but I needed a rope for that. And I'd heard it took some time for the person to die by hanging. I would flail around like a fish without water. The last few moments of my life would be terrorizing and painful. No, not by hanging. Splitting my wrists? Again too slow. It would pain a little and slowly life would flow out and away from my cut vein. Gradually I would lose consciousness but the floor would be flooded and there would be a lot of blood. Not a clean way to go. I can go to my car, switch it on and draw a pipe from the exhaust to my window and just sit there taking in the fumes. I would fall asleep slowly and it would be painless and clean. Not a bad way to go. But for this to succeed I needed a place where I wouldn't be disturbed, where there were no chance of me discovered till I was dead as Dodo. I didn't want to be saved while I was in the process of killing myself. That would even be worse than living. The cops would arrest me and I would have to explain myself and maybe even be jailed or threw into counseling and my friends and family, they would call me mad. Nah, I couldn't explain to them why I was doing this. They wouldn't understand. No one would. I was sure I didn't want to fail in killing myself. I could go to a high rise and jump, but that was too scary and imagine the mess that would make. How about drowning myself? Too scary again. I'd heard that even those who wanted to kill themselves fought for dear life while drowning. The brain wants the body dead, but the body fights back, telling the brain to go fuck itself and it wants to live. The struggle will be too much and once again frightening. No, not drowning. Fire? No. Probably that is the scariest. Well, no, that's not the scariest. The scariest would have to be being swallowed alive by a python, slow over a time, of maybe an hour, being wrapped around by a python that's slowly tightening its screws, pushing the breath out of my body, and then the python's mouth coming out at you, and you are going alive inside. Just thinking about it give me the chills. Eaten alive by the alligator or tiger or a shark? All oh, those were terrifying. No, I wanted an easier way to die. After all, how many people got a chance of choosing their own time and place of death and the way of dying? I wanted a fun way to die. I thought more about it and couldn't come up with a satisfying way to kill myself. I began to search on the net. On how many people have died, the most fun way to die. That would have to be dying while making love to a woman, but that wasn't likely to happen. I continued to read further and further, alcohol poisoning, ordering a hit on myself, like that in Hollywood film I saw, was it Fletch, or maybe it was some other movie, who cares anyway, now that it was all going to be over soon. And then it struck me, 
sleeping pills or rather drug overdose that was the way to go hip happy high drug overdose would be good and clean and people wouldn't be all that sad about me dying they would call me an addict and probably won't feel sympathy for me they would understand people don't really grieve for drug overdose victims as much as say if the same person had died of a horrifying car accident why was that i didn't know but yes drug overdose was the way to go the decision was made i would overdose myself to death woohoo that would be fun but i needed drugs for that mm, i knew a place i could get some the shady part of the town yes that was the way to do it by overthinking it i would lose my nerve and maybe even the desire to kill myself so i grabbed the keys to my car and my wallet and made my way out i had ample money on me if i was going to die i would die overdosing with the highest quality of drug known to the city i was going out in a grand style my poison would be expensive i drove in my new car to the city part of the town my car was scratchless and had done just over 5000 kilometers or so this was the last object i had bought hoping that buying the latest premium car would give me some satisfaction and increase my self worth in my own eyes but it had worked only for a month or so i had loved my new car initially and loved driving it around but then my mood darkened as usual and my self worth came down and my feeling of nothingness returned the new car couldn't take me to the higher spiritual state of wellness or whatever it took me back to where it had all started the car did not move me now i made my way through the streets of the sleazy slimy shady squatted shabby and sordid neighborhood it was deserted not even a cat or a unfriendly neighborhood watchdog maybe there were rats but they were hiding too i kept on driving deeper and deeper into the belly of the sleeping beast but i came across no one what was i planning to do anyway if i did see someone walk up to the person at 1 o'clock in the night and ask them where i could get some high quality drugs to kill myself i drove on if i wasn't planning to really kill myself i would be a bit scared by now this was not safe maybe i would get mugged and my money and car would be stolen maybe they would beat me up and still let me live no i would not let that happen becoming an invalid or a cripple on a hospital bed would be bad committing suicide would be even more difficult then i reached a crossroad and chose to turn right hoping that it would prove to be the right choice and as i turned the corner i spotted a man move out of the shadow some distance ahead and look at me his hands were behind him as if he was holding something this didn't seem like an honest citizen out of casual night walk the man was looking at my car what should i do should i step on the gas and zoom away back to my life no i couldn't stand even one more pointless day let's do it i said to myself i moved my leg off the accelerator and pressed the brakes instead i stopped the vehicle right in front of the shady man who stepped out of the shade into the pale yellow street light glowing over him giving him an angel like glow the angel of death i opened the window and started to chat with the stranger i wanted some help i said what kind of help asked the stranger looking into the car and admiring it not once did he look at me i told him i wanted some high quality drugs to get high 
Could the nice stranger help? The man looked around, up and down the street. Then he looked into the car, once again checking the seats. I was alone. Then the man looked right into my eyes and asked if I was a cop. I replied in the negative saying, I wasn't a cop. Even if I was, my reply would be the same, that I wasn't a cop. The man looked a bit confused and asked what I meant. But I told him not to tax his simple little brain and to forget what I had said and relax. I was alone and I wasn't a cop. The man nodded and told me to park the vehicle there and come with him. The deal would be done behind closed doors. It wasn't safe outside. I thought if it wasn't safe outside for him, imagine what it would be like for a common man like me. I got out of the car and followed the dealer. This was exciting, I thought, as a chill of sheer exhilaration ran down my spine. I'd never felt like this before. We were through dark, hot, moist, claustrophobic, slimy and smelly lanes. I could see doors and windows that were now closed but would open right into the narrow lane. I could see some clothes hung on the upper floors to dry. So people lived here. Maybe they should be thinking of doing what I was about to do. What was the point of living like this? In a hellhole. Finally the man in front of me stopped at the door and knocked. And another man, a larger, uglier, meaner looking opened the door. I entered and looked around. It was just one bedroom that had another door in the back that was shut for the time being. The walls were bare and moist and peeling. There was depression and sadness in the room. Maybe even death, hopefully. The two men went into a corner and whispered to each other. Let me call them dealers for the sake of this narrative. The second dealer, the one who had opened the door, turned to look at me and then chatted with the first dealer some more. They were thinking, whispering, deciding on some course of action. Then the second dealer turned on to me and asked me how much I got. I asked instead, how much was it for? The first dealer asked me how much I wanted. I thought about it a bit and then said that I didn't know how much I wanted but to give a quantity of it. I wanted enough for one person to easily overdose on the trucks, enough for a person to kill himself. The two dealers looked at me, thinking all the while. Then the second dealer told me the amount I would have to pay. I nodded, eager to please, eager to do this deal as early as possible. I took out my wallet and counted out the money and extended my hand to hand over the money. But the two dealers weren't looking at the money in my hand. Instead, they were looking at my wallet, which was full of money. And then they looked at me up and down. My watch, my clothes, my shoes. It stuck them. I was rich and I appeared stupid too. Coming all alone to this place at night? Easy target for them. Without a word, the first dealer pulled out a gun and pointed it at me. Then said to his partner that I had got a big brand car too. The second dealer told me to take out my iPhone. I took out my iPhone, the latest model, iPhone 6s. The two dealers were pleased. This was turning into a profitable night for them. Dealer 2 snatched my phone away. I looked at the gun. Then I looked at the two dealers. Amazing. This was really real. This was actually happening to me. Was I being mugged? Dealer 1 told me to hand over my wallet. Yes, I was being mugged. I took it out and I was about to hand over when I stopped and thought for something. The two dealers threatened to shoot me if I didn't hand it over. And that was when I saw the funny side of the predicament I was in. Suddenly I began to laugh. What the hell? This was bloody unbelievable. It's amazing what the lack of fear of death can do. 
I didn't feel like being killed and so by default I had become brave. At this point I was probably the bravest guy on the planet. The two dealers tensed and threatened to shoot me if I didn't hand over my wallet. I laughed and asked, is that a promise? The two dealers looked at each other confused and even as they were thinking of their next step, I just took the wallet and walked to the window and dropped it out into the dark and narrow lane outside. The two dealers were caught off guard and wondered aloud if I was mad. Dealer 2 ran outside to retrieve the wallet. Dealer 1 put the gun on my temple saying he would shoot me right there and right then. I knew he wouldn't do it, just yet. So I laughed as I looked into the barrel of the gun. I told him to please go ahead and shoot me. Let's get this over and done with. The dealer too had retrieved the purse and returned and asked me if I had a death wish. I replied in the affirmative. I did have a death wish and without warning dealer too punched me in the stomach. I had my breath knocked out of me and I doubled up on the ground. A few moments later I got my breath and laughter back. Then as soon as I could speak I began to tell them who I was and what I had in my mind, what I wanted to do with the drugs. The two dealers were stunned to hear what I had to say. So I wanted to die? I confirmed and commented on their sharp intellect that they had grasped the fact so easily. I did want to die and I wanted the two fine gentlemen to help me fulfill my wish. I was looking for an easy way to kill myself and now I had found two. The two dealers looked at each other and they said they weren't going to do it. But they were going to kill me just a few minutes ago I argued. The two had a different logic. That was different. That was just a robbery. But this is like contract killing. This is work. They won't do it for free. I tried to understand the logic. So the dealers will kill an innocent man or for that matter any man for no reason at all. But if the same man wants them to kill them then they won't. The two dealers confirmed, that was how it was. To kill him they would require more money, a lot more. I laughed and agreed. I could give them some money for it, but I would have to go home for that. I could give them a lot of cash and they could even rob me and make it look like it was robbery come murder. It would be better as everyone would say, poor guy, he was brutally murdered instead of saying, that poor sad soul, he killed himself. The first sounded much better. It would be a good and mutually beneficial for them all. They could notch up one more killing and become more feared and revered more killers and I would get my wish fulfilled. What's more, they could get a good deal of money out of it too. I would be remembered for a long time too, as a victim and not as a suicidal case. Maybe the file of my murder would remain open and the case would forever remain unsolved. People demanding justice for me? The poor murder victim? or the cops even might frame an innocent guy for my murder. That would even be better. My name would live on after my death. We talked a bit more. The more the dealers heard, the more confused they became. Dealer 1 was all for it. But Dealer 2 was suspicious. It could all be a ploy to get them arrested or something. Then I put icing on the cake. They kill me and besides the money and everything in my home, they can have the car too. They hadn't thought about the car. That sealed the deal. The three shook hand. The dealers wanted to be taken to my home straight away. I wanted to die as soon as possible, so that worked well for all of us. I requested that they should take some drugs too. We could get high and enjoy ourselves. They could have a killer party. A great way to kill and be killed. The dealers agreed. We moved out. 
Slowly as they began to believe that this was not a trap or an ambush, the dealer too kept his gun away, tucking it in his pants as he didn't want to hold it any longer. It was heavy after all. The three of us got in my car. I was driving and the dealer one sat shotgun while the other sat right behind me. The dealer too told me to be careful and no clever business or they would shoot me right there and then and injure me seriously without killing me. And then I would be crippled for life. I smiled. I told them not to worry. I will give them no reason for them to kill me before it was time. For the time being we were all friends, even partners in the crime. A crime that was about to be committed. My mother. I wondered if any living being in real life had ever been in this situation. I put on some music as we drove away. Soon we were on the main road heading for my home. I took a turn and suddenly we came across police checkpost. It was right in front of me and there was no way I could look back away. The cops were stopping and checking all the cars. The dealer in the back seat began to panic, ordering me to put the car in the reverse and get out of there. But I told them not to worry. I have all the papers of the vehicle and the pollution certificate and the insurance. And I was not drunk. There was no issue. I continued to move ahead nearing the cops and the checkpost. The dealers were in a state of utter panic. The one behind me had a gun in his hand and said that he knew I had taken them for a ride. I had fooled them. Not only I had managed to squirm out of the situation I had been in when I was at their home as their hostage at their mercy, but I had led them to the cops too. I had screwed them and they would get even with me. If it was the last thing they did, I told them to relax. Don't panic. This is not a trap. I really want to die. And this was just a routine check post. The cops were looking for drunk drivers. Even if we were carrying AK-47s and bazookas, the cops would be least bothered. They were looking for drunk drivers and drunk drivers only. I told them to be cool, but the two dealers were rigid with attention as my car was in the next line for the check. Finally I drove the car to the check post and the cop looked in he sniffed my breath and asked me where I was coming from and I lied that I was returning from my office the cop looked in the car straight at the two dealers who were trying to look as uncriminal as possible the cop inquired who they were they were my associates I replied as I offered to show the cop the car papers the cop wanted to see the driving license I reached into my pocket and remembered I had already been robbed I turned around and ordered my associates to hand over the wallet. The two dealers started to check their pockets and one of them found the wallet and handed it over back to me. The cop was suspicious and ordered me to step out of the car. I did as I was ordered. I casually stepped out and the cop took me aside. All the time the cop's eyes were on two shady figures in the car. The two dealers saw I was chatting with the cop. They were going in for long this time. They cursed themselves for falling in my trap. They thought I had been brilliant. I had led them straight into my net. The cop was talking to me and asked me if everything was all right. I assured him everything was just fine. The cop explained many carjacking cases are happening at night, but the goons take the driver as a hostage. So he was just checking if that was the case here. He asked me again if I was all right, if the two shady guys in the car had some hold over me, if they were holding my wife or relative hostage, and that is why I wasn't telling on them. I commended the officer for being perceptive and smart. It might look like something was wrong here because the two men had my wallet. 
But as I assured the cop that it was alright, nothing to worry about, the cop finally nodded and allowed me to return to my car. I thanked the cop for his concern. I wished him good night, commented casually about the weather being hot and drove away. The cop too nodded at me and let me pass. The two dealers were stunned and then relieved, then let their breaths out. They thought as they had been screwed by me. I laughed as I drove the car back to my home. Wasn't it exciting? It was pure adrenaline rush. I never felt so alive ever in my entire life. The dealers patted me on my back and said I had iron balls. I had what it took to be a gangster, a killer instinct. I was the man. I smiled at the praise. I was feeling high without the drugs. This was some night. Pity it was the last night of my life. I drove up to my bungalow. It was a standalone plot with a ground floor, a basement and a small garden in the back of the premises. It was quite private. If someone were to scream, there would be no one around to hear it. I drove up the driveway and we entered my home. We were feeling aesthetic after the brush with the cops. The adrenaline rush had made us feel giddy. The two dealers laid out the powdery lines and began to snort, showing me how it's done. I also poured some scotch and offered it to the two. They drank it in one gulp. It was smooth. They looked around at my pad. It was good. This was some place I had, they said. I was an idiot to give it all up. I told them to help themselves to whatever they could carry away. Take whatever and do whatever. The dealers wondered if they could burn the place down after cleaning it up. I assured that they could do as they wanted, but only after they had fulfilled their part of the bargain. They continued to snort and get high. We began to talk. I told them that I was already a dead man. They could open up and tell me anything they wanted. This worked well as they began to tell me proudly of the crimes they had committed. I remember a murder that had shocked the city a few months back. A young woman who was returning from a late night shift had been found raped and murdered on the road the next morning. It had never been solved. I found out now it had been the handiwork of the two men sitting in front of me. They told me in detail how one of them posed as a taxi driver and picked up the woman. Just as she was getting into the cab, the other one walked from behind and pushed her in. He put a hand over her mouth and a knife to her neck so she wouldn't be able to scream. He got in the back seat with the woman and the other one drove away from the city. She pleaded and told them to let her go. But they just laughed and they had their way with her. They took turns to rape her and then they wondered what they should do with her. Fun over. Reality had hit them. She pleaded that if they let her go, she would keep quiet and not tell anyone. After all, she didn't want this nightmare to continue. The police didn't treat the rape victims well. She would have to prove to them she had been raped. There would be an examination of her private parts and she didn't want that to happen. She sounded sincere and the two were talking what to do. Finally, they decided they couldn't take the risk and let her walk away. So the dealer too started to choke her. The dealer one helped and they really had to use all their strength to overpower her. She was a fighter, they remember. It took a few minutes to kill her. They were scratched and bleeding after it was all over. But they had enjoyed it all. Then they threw her body on the road. They had had their fun and they weren't even caught. She was a hot fairy one, they boasted. One of the best crews they ever had. They were ready to do it again and were planning to use his car to pick up their next victim soon. I looked at them and smiled, as if the story hadn't moved me at all. As if what they had done was something people did every day, and there was nothing wrong and shocking about it. 
as if others and especially women should be treated like this because they were weaker and were good only for one thing but inside i was boiling with rage and disgusted at two animals in front of me how they enjoyed what they did and talked about proudly as if she wasn't human at all i couldn't stop myself and had to ask them that it took two of them to kill one unarmed raped woman were they proud of what they had done this question took them by surprise they looked at me but they saw i was almost laughing at them as if their story had been a good one and i was just pulling their leg i further asked them if they had killed a real man before some daring gangster or a criminal or a cop or were they only targeting women and maybe children this seemed to hurt their ego and suddenly the dealer too picked up the gun and pointed it at my head i said i didn't want to see it coming let it be a surprise let my death come when i was relaxed and at least expecting it i didn't want to hear the shot that would kill me i asked them again so did they kill anyone else or i was going to be their second victim i told dealer 2 to put the gun down and answer the question first dealer 2 was high and didn't lower the gun i reiterated that i wanted it to be a surprise and this wasn't the time but the dealer 2 kept on pointing the gun at my head his hand on the trigger why the hell should they listen to me i looked into the barrel of the gun my smile and bone homey fading out suddenly the room was tense everyone was still was this the moment was this the end was i going to die and let these two killers live and continue killing one more woman or should i try and stop them but how was i going to stop them i was looking into the barrel of the gun the dark tiny black hole i could almost see the bullet in it i was expecting it to go boom that was it dealer 2 said goodbye you mad fucker my heart raced and pumped as if it was going to explode man was this some rush instead i felt like a coiled up spring all ready to let myself go and explode into action the second dealer's finger tightened on the trigger i saw the muscles of his hand tense my eyes were like narrow slits my mouth a straight line my expression determined this was it the finger seemed to apply a bit more pressure on the trigger any second now and boom my head would be blown away and these killers would have my car to continue their raping and killing spree and just then i wanted to show him he wasn't the boss of me he didn't have any power over me i wasn't scared i wasn't intimidated by his gun but what could i do and then it came to me so as a sign of rebellion as if i was showing him the middle finger i just yawned i really did i opened my mouth and faked out a loud yawn as if i was bored by him and his stories he was insignificant irrelevant immaterial i didn't fear him then i looked away from the gun and then got up and walked away to the scotch bottle the gun was following my movements i stretched my arms to get the lethargy out of my limbs as if i had just woken up dealer 2 followed my movement with a gun i took a sip of my scotch and gave a contented sigh and just like that the moment was gone the tension had been shattered to bits by my yawn and then my enjoying my whiskey my contented sigh finally did the trick they wanted some of the whiskey too so the dealer too lowered his gun i chuckled and they chuckled as well they called me mad absolute psycho i was i told them that the next time they picked up the gun they should just shoot when you got to shoot just shoot don't talk i remembered that line from the good the bad and the ugly i reminded them that it would be preferred by me if i was shot when i wasn't even looking 
Maybe shoot me in the back of my head, so I would be dead even before my brain knew it. And saying this I turned my back and said now is the chance, do it. But the dealer too was high and relaxed. He was sure I was a nutcase, whom he could kill any moment he wanted. I had a death wish and that was no threat to them. He said the gun was heavy and his arm was aching. He did not want to keep on holding it. They had a lot of time to do what they had come to do, but first they would have a bit of fun at my expense. Then they saw me taking sips and asked me to pour another drink for them. I took their empty glasses to the dining table and poured two extra large bags for them. I left them right at the dining table alongside the bottle. I told them to get their own drinks as I sat at the dining table myself. Dealer 1 stood up and Dealer 2 said to him that he should bring his glass too as long as he was heading that way. Dealer 1 agreed and I asked him if the Dealer 2 was the boss between them. Dealer 1 stopped at his tracks and said no, they were both equal. I said it seemed to me that the Dealer 2 was the boss. He seemed to be the one ordering Dealer 1 around. For instance, Dealer 1 was going to get the glass for him. That was a subordinate job. Dealer 2 laughed at that. Dealer 1 didn't like that one bit and told Dealer 2 to get his own glass. Finally, they both got up and walked to the dining table where I was sitting. I told them to take a seat. As they sat down, I told them I was going to get a surprise for them. As they lifted their glasses and raised them to take a sip, I got up and walked up to where they had left the gun. I picked up their gun and looked at it carefully. The two dealers took a sip and gave a contented sigh. They turned around to see that I had their gun. I asked dealer 2 how it was to be used. He told me it was an automatic and all I needed to do was to aim and fire. I raised the gun and shot dealer 2 in his face. Before the bullet hit him his expression seemed to change as if he had understood that he was going to be shot. And then boom! His face was gone. Dealer 1 with a scotch glass in his hand took almost ages to examine, analyze, comprehend and then boom, it hit him. What had just happened? Slowly he turned towards me and stared into the barrel of his own gun. I said, I told you guys, if you got to shoot, just shoot, don't talk. And boom, the Dealer 1 was missing a face too. It wasn't such a good looking face to begin with I thought, so no harm done. No one was going to miss it. I lowered my gun. Then I raised my own glass and took a sip. What a high. Was it the drugs? The alcohol? The mix of two? Nah. It wasn't all that. It was the killing. The two low end lives. But considered as lives all the same by the authorities and the society. Why let such people live? As such the earth was overpopulated and polluted. Some people had just to be killed. Culled for the others to live and it was people like these two who had to be killed. For the first time in years I felt alive. I seemed to have a purpose. I had an objective in life, something to look forward to and I knew what it was, killing people I didn't like. That would give me a purpose and hence a life. That would give me the rush I'd been journeying all my life. Kill bad guys, maybe the rapist, the molester, the gangster. Maybe the lawyer or the human rights activist who fought for the freedom of the gangsters and the terrorist. Maybe the politician who was openly corrupt and obnoxious. Maybe the rude, loud neighbor too who while talking on the phone cut someone's car off. Or the mad biker who didn't care if he scratched someone's car as long as he could zip through and avoid the traffic jam. The list of my targets could be endless. This was what I was born to do. Maybe 
Just maybe I could see a few more Hollywood sequels. Maybe I could see and enjoy yet another get together with my friends. Maybe news of corruption, terrorism, scams wasn't all that bad because I could do something about them now. I wasn't weak anymore. Maybe I wasn't done after all. Maybe all those days in the gym hadn't gone waste after all. It wasn't my time, not tonight. Maybe not even this year because I didn't fear death. I didn't care about it as well and that made me brave. Not brave like suicide bomber, but brave like suicide killer. I walked over the dead bodies and absent-mindedly started pulling the messy carcasses towards the car. As I thought about what I had to do from now on, I was making plans. I could dispose of the bodies of course. It would take some doing, but I was sure it could be done. Except for the cop, no one had seen me with the two dealers. And the cop hadn't even seen their faces clearly. He would have forgotten it all by now. There was no connection between me and the dealers. No motive for killing. No link. I was safe and free to repeat the same. To kill at will. I now knew killing evil was my calling. I whistled gaily and dragged the headless bodies away from the site. Planning how to get rid of the bodies. Planning my life instead of my death. Planning my future. After all, I had found my calling. And what those pundits, astrologers and palmists had predicted was probably true after all. I did have a long lifeline. And because I was going to live, many others were going to die. I had just murdered myself and had been reborn.